J3 Youth Ministry Podcast. The J3 Youth Ministry Podcast. I'm John Chafee. I'm Johnny Radcliffe. And I'm Jonathan Hobbs, and this is episode 12 of the J3 Youth Ministry Podcast. We are so excited that you have chosen to spend the next 20 minutes, or more than 20 minutes, who are we kidding, with us, uh, or at least some minutes until you hit pause and then you come back. Anywho, we're hoping that it is completely and totally worth your time and that you uh, are enjoying yourself, that you're sharing it with others, that you're finding this valuable. We are very excited about today's feature interview, which is with Brock Morgan. Uh, I have never met someone named Brock that wasn't cool. I, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I, I, I kind of think like, oh, if you're named Brock, you're just going to live into that prophecy. Yeah, you it's know? a prophetic name. You know, I, yeah. I, I don't know anyone that's like, hi, everybody. It's like, what's your name? My name is Brock. No, you know? literally, my whole time in college, <laughs> the quarterback's name was Brock. Yeah. He's not even making it up. Like uh, like multiple people? No, he was since a it's freshman. Same, same guy. He was a baller. Yeah, see, a freshman, a freshman named Brock becomes yeah. quarterback. Absolutely. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And yeah. I come, I'm like, my name's Johnny. Hi, I'm Johnny. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just like, so yeah, I uh, so I have I have name envy. I don't, I don't mind saying it. I don't yeah. mind saying it. I'm, I'll live into that. It's cool. I own it. Um, but first, I actually wanted to just do a little bit of get to know you. I, I actually feel like as a podcast, we try not to do too much of that because we... We feel like the point of this is the content, is jumping in. Uh, but a few people have said, hey, just do a little bit of, uh, I, I like the friendly banter that you have. The banter. Yes, but I think it is qu- uh, quantity over quality. No, actually, I'm sorry. It's quality <laughs> over quantity. Go. Right. Um, it's, it's the good one, whatever mm-hmm. it is. And so uh, I actually don't know this, so I wanted to ask uh, both John and Johnny, and I'll even chime in too. Uh, is there a non-ministry book, or what's a non-ministry related book that that you've uh, read recently, because my wife's a huge reader. We uh-huh. were just on vacation. Her, my sister-in-law, like they they went through I think like five books in that week. Like it was just nuts oh, how fast wow. they read. Um, uh, I didn't, but I was <laughs> so so I was just kind of interested. Like what what is your reading habits? What are you reading lately? That's not ministry or theology like, based. Not or? directly okay. ministry theology related. Johnny John John, you go first. Yeah. Okay. Uh, for about like a year and a half, I've been slowly going through a fantasy series. It's 10 books long Mm. and it's, it, it is far beyond game of Thrones. Is it wheel of time? No, no, that's another one. I heard that's really good. This is called, uh, Malazan book of the fallen. The guy wrote 10 books and then his friend wrote parallel books. So I came into the series with 20 books to read. But Malazan Book of the Fallen. Yeah, but just, he, just to circle back, part. I'd never met someone named Brock that says, you know, I'm reading Malazan Book of the Fallen. I'm, I'm just, I'm <laughs> okay. just trying to make the point. Oh. But here's the best part. <laughs> so Tolkien was uh-huh. a linguist, and so he wrote yes, yes, his own languages for the book series. This guy is a former paleontologist. Oh my goodness, and sociologist. So when he writes people groups or histories, they've each got like sweeping 300,000 years of history. So you drop into this fantasy series and you're like, this people group are meeting with this group and they each have their own culture. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so it's just deep. That's pretty cool. Yeah, you go no, tumbling down the rabbit hole with that one. I bet you can pretty quickly. Johnny, what do you got going on? Yeah, yeah so I struggle with this question because 
reading is a means to an end for me, and the uh, end is self improvement. You are you are not the uh, voc. Uh, that's fair. I was going to say casual reader, but that's not the right word. I am What's not an word? entertainment reader. Yeah, yeah. So okay. anything yeah. fiction is out the window for me, honestly. And um, interesting, interesting. Yeah. So I, I I feel a little pretentious saying that. You know, <laughs> I only read to get better, and clearly it's that's not fair. working. But um, the one thing I will say that is not directly. Christian is a book called Crucial Conversations. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And a mentor read through it with me, and I was like, okay, Mm. something about conversations, this is really dumb. But I read through, and it was through a time when God was really sifting out the people-pleaser nature in me, and I was Mm. afraid of conflict. Mm -hmm. And so many things in this book really helped me work through that. So, So again, it's not a far cry. It's not like, you know... Uh, I'm reading Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, it, it's it's not Christian, but it is leadership mm-hmm. based and mm-hmm. how to improve yourself. So well, that's good. That was up my alley. I do appreciate that you're not reading you know the book that shall not be named, but or, and not <laughs> oh, wait, anymore. Fifty Shades of Grey. Well, well, ah, uh, Fifty Shades. Okay, oh, right. Yeah, that wait, one. Can we? Can we not? You and your little dog okay. too. My bad. Um, the. Uh, now, am I wrong? Or were you, were you the one that posted about or commented on a book post about um, how to read a book? It's a book called How to Read a Book. Oh, my word. See, you know what's funny? That's the other book I was going to share about. What is that book about? I had to read it in seminary. and it's read a book. Exactly. I saw it, and I was just like, you got to be kidding me. This can't be a thing. How Uh to read a book. Uh I know English, but um, it's all about, like, reading retention and, like, Uh you know, just, like, approach and ways to help yourself. And since I'm kind of an ADD bunny, Uh um, it really went far. And I just, I, yeah, I feel weird saying, like, how to read a book is a great book. It's a great book, yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> if you read it and you think it's terrible, not mm. my fault. Yeah. No, I, I, I yeah. did find that very interesting because multiple people were commenting on, someone posted it recently, mm-hmm. and multiple people were commenting on I was like, wow, I'd never heard of it. i, I got to check that out. Um, I like really big books that take me forever to go through because, yeah. you know, like... Uh, really? Uh, it's weird because oh. I do like the quick ones, uh, like Gene Edwards' uh, um, like Tale of Three Kings. I absolutely love that mm-hmm. book. You can read it in a sitting. However, uh, I've actually been, been trying to go through Ron Chernow's Alexander Hamilton. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it's just amazing. It, it, it's such a weird... Um, <laughs> dichotomy, I, irony, I really have just, I'm having trouble finishing this book. And it's, and one of the reasons is because I'm so overcome by just how efficient Alexander Hamilton, like how much he was able to do, what he was yeah. able to get done. I am like, I am so lazy. Mm. Like, like, like You're just so taken <laughs> by during his his busy years where he couldn't fit in anymore, he only added 10 amazing things to his life. Like, it's it's that kind of a, a life that you... I mean, the, the, the musical, like, very, very cool and all, to just read and realize how much he did that they couldn't even fit into the three-hour musical about his life. Mm. Uh, right. It was mind-blowing. And, impressive. And when we say, oh, he invented modern uh, economics and just how forward thinking he was and the, the way that he understood how our economy was going to work. 
That really is, it really is amazing to be like, this guy was like a wizard. Mm. Like this guy had a crystal ball and, and he understood things way before their time. But, uh, it's very, very interesting. And I also like the, the nuances of things and, oh, you know, this, this fits the song well, but actually it's far more complicated than that. Yes. Uh, Mm. you know, it's, oh yes, we're going to, we're going to play this like it's a father son relationship, but no, actually, in reality, it's far, far more deep. And so it, it, I, it's, I've really, but I've had to read it, put it down for a while, read it, put it down. I'm about two thirds of the way through it. Really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, that's a little bit about us. And, and uh, we'd love to know, hey, what are you reading? Uh, is there something that's not ministry related that kind of like really helped your ministry? That's always kind of interesting to hear. Um, guys, I am just going to let you know uh, the... The Brock Morgan interview was fantastic. Uh, if nothing else, it introduced me to my new favorite 1970s band called Amplified Version. Uh-huh. And so you are good. going to hear, we're, we're going to end this episode with a little snippet from Amplified Version, and you're going to hear why. But uh, man, just victim of the system, guys. I'm just letting you know, it'll change your life. It's, it's got like, brass. It's, like, it's got saxophone. It's real, like That's back when saxophones music. belonged in a band. You know, like, oh, oh like... he went there. Like, well, nowadays, the poor saxophone player, it's like, hey, you play sax, that's awesome. You can... Be in a marching band. That's about it. They, like, they there's no have band. A flute player, a flautist, <gasps> a flute, right? A flute. I bet they do. Whatever. I have no idea. Okay. I have no clue. But I do know that uh, I enjoyed the YouTube videos, or it's not videos. It's just you know a picture with music. Yeah. But uh, amplified version. But anyway, speaking of amplified and versions, I don't know what that means. Here is Brock Morgan. I am here today with Brock Morgan. Brock, welcome to the J3 Youth Ministry Podcast. Thanks for being here. Oh, man, I am excited to be here. Couldn't be more excited. <laughs> uh, Brock, <laughs> you have uh, one heck of a resume, actually. If I remember right, you you are uh, you are the few and the proud that have served on both coasts. Uh, yes. I, and, and, and have you served in the middle as well, or did you just skip that part I, of life? I just I skipped the middle. <laughs> Absolutely. So why don't you go ahead and actually just give us the run down of the the story of Brock Morgan. One one thing I, I guess if you wanted to know the story of Brock Morgan is that my, my I was born and my parents were in a rock band in the seventies, and so the first ten years of my life was mostly on a tour bus, traveling oh. from city to city as they uh, played their music. And um, was so, it like a well known band? Well, Would we know the name? The band was called The Amplified Version. They had one hit on secular radio. They were a one-hit wonder. Um, but it did have uh, an influence. And it was kind of... Those were some really... First 10 years of my life, really cool years. So awesome. that, that, was, uh, that was amazing. So that was, a good, that was a fun beginning. But then my dad became a pastor, and it was all downhill after, after that. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> but I've that's uh, I, I'm uh, I've been married 22 years. Wow. We have um, one daughter who is 20. She's a freshman at Lee University, and so oh, nice. I flat out love those two, um, and I love our little family. And um, I've been a youth pastor for 
wow, 27 years I've been uh, doing youth work. And so... Um, There's like a Medal of Honor you get, right? At 25 or something like that? that? Isn't there I, you like... know what? No one gave me that. And so uh, I, <sighs> I, I, I want that. If, if there's such a thing, someone get me, get me that. But I, uh, yeah, 27 years ago, um, I was nine. No, 27 years ago, I uh, started doing youth ministry and I haven't stopped for yeah. a day. Um, absolutely. I've, I've loved every, every second of it. Now there's hard stuff, but man, I, I couldn't imagine doing anything else. Am am I right to say you've also kind of, um, been in very different denominations? Is that a right statement to say? Yeah. So I've worked in Presbyterian churches, uh, one church, Presbyterian church, a, uh, uh, a covenant church, a grace brethren church and assemblies of God church. And now I'm working wow. in an Anglican church. <laughs> I think that's another medal. I actually think yeah. that you're, you're getting decorated here as we go. This is, that's, that's, a, that's absolutely amazing. Uh, even just the last two or three you said, that's amazing. But well, that, that's one heck of a, of a, well, I myself a am a, I'm a theological mutt anyways. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, it kind of works. That is, that's absolutely fantastic. Uh, and so now you're in the DC area. Yep. Uh, and now, did you move there because your daughter was there or like, no. uh, how, how'd you end up in DC? No, we started a nonprofit and, um, man, I tell you, uh, it was, where do you want to live? It's the first time in my life that my wife and I were like, okay, let's, we're going to start this nonprofit. Where do you, like, we can go anywhere. And I thought we would go back to the West coast. That's where all of my family is. But, um, we we did the we did the wrong thing and we started praying. You never do you never oh, pray if you oh. want to just do what you want to do. <laughs> and uh, so we just prayed that God would guide, lead, direct, make it clear. And um, in faith, we uh, we moved to D.C. and um, we're still running this nonprofit. But I'm also working in a church full time. And uh, and man, we absolutely love this area. I actually lived here for eight years as a kid. Um, also, and so it's in some, it's some, it's, it's kind of like coming home in a sense. So, and we love DC. That's, that's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. Well, you've also, uh, besides being ridiculously busy, you are also ridiculously busy even more because, uh, you're, uh, you're about to have another book come out. You've published, am I, is it three or is this your fourth? This this is, that's right. It's my fourth book. Fourth book, um, I, I know a lot of people might be familiar with youth ministry in a, in a post-Christian world. And, and uh, I know that that, is, that made a real dent, at least in, in my small little world. I know uh, that book made a real dent in some people's way of looking at youth ministry and, and looking at how they approach certain things. Uh, your next one is kind of uh, interesting. The, the title is, is a number. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Yeah. So, so tell us about this new one. <laughs> yeah. It's, it comes out September 15th. Oh yeah. Okay. And, um, you know how the story goes is, um, uh, my publisher of the last two books, um, gave me a call. You guys may have heard of, um, I think you've interviewed him, Jonathan, uh, Marco. So yep, Mar- yep. Marco Stryker gave me a call and said that they would love for me to write another youth ministry book. 
And um, I basically said, dude, I'm like, I'm done. Like, I have I got no <laughs> ideas. Um, I said, you know, I just wrote the youth ministry in a post-Christian world book. And I have another book idea, but it, ha- it has nothing to do with youth work. And um, and he's like, well, that doesn't work for us because we're a youth worker public publishing company. Yeah. And so um, he said, well, what if we as an organization brainstormed and um, came up with some ideas. So they brainstormed for a few days. He sent me their ideas, about five ideas, and I hated every single one of them. (laughs) I'm like, like, I can't do that. And so actually one of his ideas was the last chapter in my Youth Ministry in a Post-Christian World book he said, youth workers, I hear constantly comment that when if they're ever discouraged, that they just go and they read the last chapter of that book and they'll just read it over and over again. And it just kind of fills them and it encourages them, equips them to go on. He's like, what if you wrote a whole book like that? And I was I was like, it was like it was really hard to write one chapter like that, like a whole book. I can't do <laughs> yeah. that at, at any rate. I didn't like any of their ideas. I feel terrible telling the story. Um, <laughs> but I said, all right, give me a couple of days. And I had a conversation about a year ago with a friend of mine who is a youth worker in England. And for the past, I mean, Jonathan, you've been around long enough that the trends that are happening in Europe, there are, you know, about... 10 to 15 years, maybe even 20 years back in the day ahead of mm. us. Yeah, and so yeah. what's happening there is it's a, maybe a, a, a window into what may happen here. That's, that's been the trend. It's been uh, for the past 20 years kind of working. If you were to kind of look back, I remember in the 90s, they were telling us to look to, to Europe in particular, what was happening in England, that that would be happening here. Um, so I'm talking with my, my buddy, and he is a youth worker, but he's also a um, kind of a, he reads culture and studies culture. He's a researcher, a, kind of a futurist. And he looked at me and he was like, Brock, just, just 10 more years. And I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, just hang on. In 10 years, there's going to there's gonna be a, a movement among young people in the United States, just 10 more years. And now, right now, there is a movement happening in England among teenagers. You know, this, I don't know if you've read much about it or seen it, but like they'll have, they'll, they'll have, I mean, they're having thousands upon thousands, literally hundreds of thousands of kids have come to Jesus in the last 10 years and it's just really vamping up in incredible ways, um, in particular right now in England between the 24-7 prayer movement and the uh, Soul Survivor movement with Mike Pilavachi mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah. all these, like, it's, it's an exciting time right now, in, and particularly in the uh, area of England, um, of the UK. And um, so he's like, just 10 more years. And so I couldn't, I was haunted by that. And so I'm trying to figure out a book idea. 
and I rem I'm remembering this conversation and I'm like, okay, in 10 years, it's going to be 2027. And like that sounds so far away, but it's just 10 years away, 2027. And I, I have been talking for the past few years about Thomas and how Jesus had moved Thomas. Thomas had his doubts, his questions. He longed, but he had a tender heart. He, he longed to really know and experience truth. And so we, you know, some of us have been calling this generation of kids today, the Thomas generation, because they doubt their, um, but they have a tender heart and they really want to know what's true. It's a confusing oh, like world. That. It's a, it's a pluralistic culture society that they're being raised up in. Post-Christianity is definitely emerging across the country and, but they're just longing to know the truth. And so Jesus moves Thomas from doubt into faith and then into a movement. He didn't leave him into this belief system, but this faith was a movement. So doubt faith into a movement. And Thomas ends up going and traveling to India. He plants seven churches in the southern part of the country. And to this day, seven, seven, those seven churches that he planted are still actually going. I have a friend who grew up in one of those churches. Um, and they're doing really well. And that whole region, Kerala, is in India, is known as being the Christian part of India because of Thomas joining the movement. And so... I was just thinking, wouldn't it be amazing uh, if somewhere in the Gospels, chapter 20, verse 27, one of the Gospels, where Thomas moves from doubt into faith. So I open up to John chapter 20, verse 27, and it's Jesus saying, leave your doubt and believe, Thomas. <laughs> Did you just fall on the floor? I fell on the right floor. There. Oh, my goodness. And so the book's called Youth Ministry 2027. And dude, I'm so excited because I feel like now it's not like a book of prophecy. It's not a weird, like, uh, anything like that. I'm not, I don't have strange hair. I don't think and wear weird makeup and I'm not, um, <laughs> I'm not, but what it is, is if I, I can just vouch for you, your makeup is not weird. Your makeup is totally normal. <laughs> thank, That's really cool. Thank you. Um, I need makeup. Um, thank God this is not a Skype, uh, interview. Um, <laughs> But I, uh, I'm longing to be a part of a movement. I've read about movements. Um, even as a boy during the 70s in the Jesus movement with my parents, my parents' rock band were a part of this whole huge movement. But um, I want to ex I'm longing to experience it as a youth worker, a youth leader. And, um, and so the whole book is just around this idea of what do we need to be doing to help uh, represent and extend the reign of Jesus in a way that is transformative. And so I'm, I'm super excited about it, Jonathan. Dude, I'm pumped. That is awesome. Uh, Brock, we ask people um, when they come on, if they just have like a word of wisdom for people listening, if... If you just have like, uh, hey, if you're here out there, here's one of the things I wish I knew, you know, 10 years ago uh, or something like that. Uh, as someone that was in youth ministry for the last, I think you said it was like 270 years or whatever it was. Something like that. Uh, how, uh, <laughs> don't, don't, add, don't add zero. <laughs> That's unkind. That is unkind. Uh, but what do you have like something that you could offer the people listening? You know, the when you ask that, the first 
thing that jumped into my mind. I was now youth specialties. This was back in the heyday of youth specialties when oh, yeah. there really wasn't any other competition. Right, and right. like I, I was at one, there was like 11,000 youth workers. Oh. And then that year there were three different cities. Yeah. Like it was <laughs> insane. Um, youth specialties and it's and and their influence and Mike Iaconelli and and how he impacted me and I remember being in I was probably my later 20s and I was I was fried um I had been kind of burning the wick at both ends I'd been trying to grow my my youth ministry I hadn't been taking days off um and it had led to well it had led probably to burnout and if not really close. And, um, I was super discouraged. Now youth specialties at this time had the national youth workers convention, but they also had the national pastors convention and it was in San Diego and I was living in Los Angeles. And so I decided to drive down just for a day to maybe hear Mike Iaconelli. I snuck into the event. I didn't pay. <laughs> <laughs> I snuck in and I sat among all these older pastors in Anne Lamont. I don't know if you know Anne Lamont, but yes. she wrote Traveling Mercies. And she's just this brilliant, amazing woman um, who ministers and writes. And she's based, I think, in San Francisco. She's spectacular. And she got up in front of all of these pastors. And I'm sitting there just fried. And she looked at us and she said, do you want to know why we don't go to you anymore? Why we have stopped going to your churches? Why we have stopped going to you as pastors? And this room is like, there's thousands of pastors. It is just, you could hear a pin drop. She's like, you want to know why we don't go to you? Why we don't come to you anymore? And she says this, because you live just like we do. You've been burning the wick at both ends for so many years. It's been years since you've heard the voice of Jesus. And when, when she said that, I was struck to my core that I had been so busy doing youth ministry that I had forgotten that my relationship with Jesus was actually my ministry. And so a, for me, as a young youth worker, if I would have known that my relationship with Jesus is actually my ministry and it's the overflow of this amazing thing, this communion that I'm having with God, that daily he is filling me and empowering me with his spirit. And out of that is my ministry. And that has to be my focus. Man, it would have saved me a lot of grief. It would have helped me to watch my soul to care for my soul. And it would have filled me with um, the words that kids needed to hear, the touch that kids needed to have and experience, the, uh, uh, to create an environment, to create an environment where students would actually experience the warmth of God just by hanging out with me because I was so in tune with him. Um, that's the first thing that came into my mind is that your relationship with Jesus is your ministry. It's, it's, it's so good. And, um, I, I've been feeling lately, like, 
uh, so, like I've heard stuff like that my entire career, but I almost wonder if that's like premarital counseling where they tell you like, listen, you need guys need to like spend time together. And everyone's like, <laughs> yeah, 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 like no kidding. But then you're like, I don't know, six weeks into your marriage and you're like, I feel like we should spend time together. <laughs> like all of a sudden the burden you like, Oh, maybe that is a bit, Oh, oh that's what this feels like. And so, yeah. Uh, uh, and it's a real sad thing because I think that people don't realize they've lost their way on that until they are pretty far down the line. So uh, the overflow of ministry, that, that is a Well, Brock, I'm, uh, I'm going to say uh, thank you so much for spending some time with us and, you know, playing in our uh, little playground here. But are you uh, are, you're on Twitter, on Facebook? If people would like to, to follow you in a totally not creepy way, uh, what what should they do? Where should yeah, they go? Yeah, so Twitter is at Brock Morgan. So there you go. Um, Instagram, someone stole my name. So um, at, uh, it's uh, Instagram is at real Brock Morgan. How about that? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know, you, when you're trying to figure out your name, you're like, man, what? Do, someone took my name. All right, what am I supposed to do? I, I, I don't know. I wasn't sure yeah. what to do. I saw other people using the word real. I went with it. Yeah, um, there you go. Yeah, it's solid. But ultimately, my uh, if you forget all that, my website, brockmorgan.com, you can... Uh, email me or um, whatever, and I'd love to uh, connect. That'd be great. That's fantastic. And, and now, uh, if people were interested in finding out about the nonprofit you mentioned, should they, is brockmorgan.com also the way to get in? Yeah, they awesome. totally can. If you go to brockmorgan.com, they'll see a tab for Generation 514, Generation 514, and um, just click it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We hope uh, that you keep writing books, even though you're already out of ideas. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and hopefully we'll have you back on the podcast. Thanks so much, Brock. Awesome. Pre- really appreciate it. All right. So that was it. That was our chat with Brock Morgan. Guys, I'm just going to throw it immediately to you. What are things that kind of stuck out to you? Maybe we should kind of go in order, but uh, whoever wants to go first, I guess. I'll go. Okay. Are you ready go. for All me? All right. Go. All right. So the thing that he's talking about is something that, oh my word, like I've, I've just been praying over it, man. Like I just, there are times in ministry when I just look around and I just kind of go like, why is it so hard? Like, why is it that like, why is youth ministry so hard? Yeah. Just even like in our context, you know what I mean? You hear other stories of like, Hey, we went to a village and thousands of people got saved. And I'm like, Ah, I want that for America. Yeah. Uh, You know, like we get pumped if like 20 kids show up to our crazy, awesome, amazing event. And I'm just Uh like, I want to be a part of something that God just creates that is just uncontrollable. Mm. Just, it's not us beating ourselves up because we're not creative enough Mm -hmm. and, you know, we're not Mm -hmm. on campus enough and we're not doing this, this, this. I want to be a part of something where like Jesus just takes over and lives are being changed. And that's exactly what he said when he said, he's like, I'm longing to be a part of a movement. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That's what I've been feeling without being able to verbalize it as succinctly as he did. Uh, I just, I want, I want revival, man. And Mm. I don't, I don't want to be one of those like weird, like, you know, you know, I don't, you know, Uh revival. Like that was an amazing impression. uh, I just just, (laughs) really wanted. I need the listeners to know. Yeah. Well, well, impressions are my thing, but at any rate, I, I want, Revival. I mm-hmm. want it so badly. And it, you know, the whole trend with Europe being 10 years ahead of us, 
You know, sounds like there's some some flicker on the pulse. There's sounds now, like something's coming. That's a coming. fascinating thought, right? Well, one of the things, though, I, I didn't bring this up in the interview, but don't you think it's so American to hate that idea? Oh, I hate it. I do. Right? Don't Isn't you that just weird? Like, like we oh, changed the no, world. No, we're at the front. Ten years, my butt. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah. No. But uh, what's funny is now that I've been in youth ministry long enough, I, I have to wave the white flag on it. But why is uh, yeah. it like I, I'm just why I'm like, like American that? to the core. I'm like I thought we were the ch- world influencers. Why is yeah. it that we take our cues from Europe? How's that even work? It's, I can't understand yeah. it. We did get our language from them. Yeah, but then we <laughs> hijacked it and called it American. American. No, we don't. We still call it English. I know. Well, <sighs> I call it American. So there are some church hey. history people that say that. Every 500 years, there was another reformation that happened Mm. in the church, which means we are legitimately this year on due for the start of another reformation in 500 years. Yes, please. Called it. Like 2017, 1517. So he was asking Mm. some great questions, especially with the one phrase about how do you do youth ministry in a post-Christian world? Right. Right. Boom. Yeah. What do you think about that? Man, we have to unpack that because uh, I th- we're the away team. We just are. And, you know, it. and it's um, – and, and, in fact, uh, a buddy of mine is actually writing his Ph.D. thesis on the idea that sports has replaced the church and, mm-hmm. and the temple. You know, like the, the parallels there of, like, the um, – just the structure that it adds, mm-hmm. like, you know, it, that is That's our, interesting. that is our worst. We have a lot more NFL you know, worshipers on a Sunday well, than we do Christ I, worshipers. Along the same lines, I've actually heard that when we talk about Disney world, we use the same language as the pilgrimage. And oh, so the, that's the modern day wow. pilgrimage is to Disney World. Well, we, we save up for it. We talk oh. about it. When are we going to do it with our kids? Because you got... So anyway, in the same sort of thing. It's that the temple is yeah. now the stadium. Oh, and the, I feel gooey all over it. Doesn't that just feel bad? Like, just like, oh, yeah. man, I feel so consumeristic. Suddenly the movie The Village uh, makes more ooh. sense. Oh. Right? You're like, I that's could, what I want. maybe this is not a bad idea. Anyway. So there was a... We can say maybe right now we're in the midst of a post-Christian world, sure, but it's still not post-religious because everybody has one thing that's their thing of ultimate concern, the thing that they're religious about. Like you said, it could be sports on Sunday. Mm -hmm. What is the thing that is your ultimate concern? And that's like, you can ask that of youth. I've had that conversation, but, oh, I can tell soccer is your thing or the band is your thing. Right, right. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I I think I want to try something here. Uh-oh. I don't necessarily think we need to tell them to stop caring about those things. Sure, Instead, sure. say, how can you find God in the midst of those things? Love yeah, it. yeah I, I think that... So Louis Giglio said one time about how... And I don't think he necessarily invented this, but to be human is to be a worshiper. Like... Uh, like that's just, that's just human. Like uh-huh. every human worships things. Has something. something that they exactly. revere. They put the center. The, every, every one of us has something at the center of our life mm. uh, and, and beyond. And so I don't think it's wrong to say, oh, you got to get out of soccer if you love Jesus. Mm-hmm. But I think you're absolutely right. We, we've been saying this for years in youth ministry, but I think we've stunk at answering the question. So what does it mean to help a kid be a Jesus loving soccer player? Right. You know, incarnationally. Yeah. Yeah. Living right. out like their we, faith. We've been saying this for years. We got but we really, really have sucked at the answer. Like we've just, <laughs> we, we've, we've dropped uh, the ball. The ball. Uh, we ah. dropped it. Oh my goodness! It's so many metaphors coming. Com- yeah. Converging here. 
So, and what it boils down to, I, hmm. With this generation, uh, you hear it time and time again, you know, like, oh, these millennials, you know, you hear like the cranky old man, like these millennials and their technology. Number one, I'm a millennial. So back off. Number two. Yeah, it's we're not even talking about millennials anymore. We're leading Gen Z and Gen Z. What he talked about there is just how Mm. they have such a tender heart. Like we should be excited where we're at because we are at a point where the ground has been tilled and they're open. Now, they may be filling it with things that we don't love, but at least the ground is, like, ready we for should, it. We should be able to connect with that longing. Exactly. We should be able Redirect to Redirect it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so there's great encouragement there. So for, for everyone who keeps, like, generation bashing or feeling like the sky's falling, I just yeah. want to encourage you to move away from that. Yeah. yeah. And not yeah. think that, like, you know, oh, this generation's so into themselves, blah, blah. They're, this is one of... I, I, people are going to think I'm crazy. This is one of the most selfless generations. I'm telling you. I think studies have actually backed this up. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and yeah. you know what? There may be like, you know, They'll entitlement stuff. Sure. But like even just all the movements we're seeing socially are born out of caring about someone else's viewpoint yeah. for better or worse. Yeah. 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 So I recently went to a conference, uh, where was it? In South Carolina where it said that every generation has its favorite question. Sure. Okay, their favorite emphasis. And it tends to be that boomers or people right around then, that age demographic, love the question, what is true? Mm -hmm. Millennials love the question of what is real or what is relational. Mm -hmm. There you go. Now, it doesn't say that one is better or worse than the other, just that they're different. Mm -hmm. And so really the church maybe needs to start asking how do we answer the right generation's well, question? That's exactly right. Because if they don't care about truth, they if, care about what's exactly. relational, what's real. And I think we talked about this earlier in another podcast, but like uh, the church has spent far too much time answering questions that no one's asking. Mm. Because, yeah, that's right. Because exactly. we're, we're so behind on that. We do it. Uh, I feel like we do this in phases of life. Um, Orange puts out some amazing stuff. They do mm-hmm. not sponsor our podcast yet. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Calling Reggie Joyner, calling <laughs> Reggie Joyner. But uh, this idea of their phase, the phase project that they've been doing, where they even talk about what questions each phase of life is asking. Uh-huh. I feel like the church has been terrible. At, we're, we're answering a 12th grade question at 10th mm-hmm. grade. Doesn't work. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't work. So stop trying to do that. In the same way, if we're trying, if we're answering the boomer question to millennials, it doesn't work. So stop trying to do that. Mm. It, 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 it's just not going to work. Um, we are actually, there's a lot of really good conversation here. I, if I, if it's okay, I, the other thing that he talked about that I really connected with was the, the idea of the overflow and mm-hmm. ministering out of the overflow. And, and while that is, I think it's really good to talk about the thing that I thought about after the interview was, you know what? The times I've met people that are truly doing that, mm-hmm. like when I'm around them, I'm just like, you are glowing in the dark. Oh my goodness. I absolutely, like th- there are people that are missionaries that would never call themselves missionaries because they're just kind of the, the ministry of presence. And they really are just ministering out of the overflow of their life. Mm. I feel like they're doing so much more than so many programs that, mm-hmm. are, that are missing that point. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys have experienced that where you're just like... I don't know what it is about you, but just, I feel like Jesus is just coming out of you and it's incredible. So anyway, I, I love that he made that, uh, reference. And, and I, and I, again, I, as I said in the interview, I feel that is kind of like the premarital counseling thing where everyone goes, Oh yeah, sure. 
Mm, and then right. all of a sudden you get to that place and you're like, oh, oh, no, oh, that's real. That's a real exactly. struggle. The struggle is very real. And all of that kind of does blend because, you know, when he says that my relationship is my ministry, mm. uh, that's just such an area like that's what God's been leading me in is it's not just get smarter and get better at leadership. It's right. be so in love with Jesus and contagious that that's the driver in ways you can't explain. And I think the generation is primed for that real, like you talked about, mm-hmm. like they're looking for what's real. Yeah. Well, that's going to go a lot further than, you know, apologetical truth structures that convince you of truth. They're asking mm-hmm. for what's real. Yeah. And so that's, in fact, um, well, yeah, if, that's that. If I can even go, but let me, let me, <laughs> let me take that going back to, and therefore they're sort of also asking, they're therefore attracted to people who are real. Right. You know what I mean? Like not oh, what is yeah. real, but why do I like you so much? Because you're just so real. That's a comment uh, of like, oh, I like this person because they're authentic. Yeah. It's rare yeah. in a culture that's so built on commercials right. and trying to sell yourself as the most productive youth pastor. Yeah, right. sure. I'm, I, honest to goodness, I, I even feel like we have been trying to strike that balance here at this podcast of we don't want to do self you know, promotion. Mm-hmm. Hey, look at look at how wise and in depth we are. Uh, we're trying to be very authentic. Of hey, look at how dumb we are. Uh, but wow, we bring in these people that we really respect. We we don't want to be inauthentic in like saying, oh, look at us. Look at how great we are. We we know everything there is to know about youth ministry. So yeah. here's a question for both of you. Okay, mm-hmm. out of this idea that uh, your ministry should be the overflow of your faith. Um, I've personally been wrestling with this. Do we see ourselves as being paid to be youth pastors first and then Christians second, or are we paid to be Christians first and then youth pastors second? Mm-hmm. Are we like, do we actually see, or, or are our churches actually encouraging us to really take our own personal discipleship seriously? Can you even put yeah. one in front of the other? I, I kind of look at it as like physical health too. Listen, um, uh-huh. I pay you because you're alive. I'm not going to pay you when you're dead. <laughs> right. All right. So if you being alive means you have to make sure you don't overeat, have bad cholesterol. However, at the same time, um, I'm not so sure I'm paying you. Right. I, I'm not going to pay for your food. You know right. what I mean? Like I'm paying you your salary. And so it's kind of weird because I actually do look at my job as a job. It's my job to do logistics. It's my job yeah. to take care of, you know, to plan and to help lead people and to, and to help ministry happen. However, is so, if I become spiritually dead, I become useless. Yeah. So I have a hard time separating this um, just okay. because it's the... In some sense, it's the chicken and the egg in the sense of like, you know, I'm a follower of Jesus, ergo, I serve him. You know what I mean? Like, Uh it's one of those things where um, I don't think what I do is any more spiritual than any other follower of Jesus who has a full-time job, Mm. Um, not in the church. I really don't. And um, I know a lot of people say that, but like, I think my youth leaders have you know, just as much influence over the students as I do, even though I get yeah. paid hours even to do more, it. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So true. like, and my job's to make them famous. So, um, I don't, 
the biggest thing is my identity can't be in Reverend Johnny Radcliffe, youth pastor. Absolutely. It's an identity question. Yeah, me so too. like and that's where honestly, sometimes the line gets blurred. And you know, I, I crash and burn once to the point where I really had to see what does that actually mean. Mm. And so but me being a youth pastor is completely out of an overflow of loving Jesus and wanting to bring others in. So I, I understand the question, yeah. uh, but I would attach it to your identity can't be in your position. Otherwise, yeah, you're, you're just not Ooh. going anywhere. Your identity has to be in child of God first, not as elder in the church, as mm-hmm. pastor, mm-hmm. as leader. Yep. Um, you know, child of God first, your role of service second. Yeah. L- uh, let me just... Uh... I need to kind of actually put a bow on this, unfortunately, uh, which is also just like much ado, <laughs> putting bows on things is also a thing. Apparently, this is like a gift wrapping uh, podcast. Do we say that a lot? I do. Do you? Uh, yeah, uh, I totally do right. too much. And uh, one of the episodes, by the way, it was like awkward. Really? It was like great discussions. So like, many and bows. we're going to put a bow on it. Right. Like, oh, this is our right. gift to you. It has Here a it bow. So I, I do hope that people, uh, this is going to be a longer podcast than some of the others. I think there's a lot of really good meat here. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, people need to be struggling with it. And I hope that people can look in the mirror and ask, hey, um, am I ministering out of overflow today? Um, one of the things I'll just kind of And what can say, I do to get to the yeah. overflow place again? Yeah, exactly. That, yeah. That's one of the things that I've decided I'm going to have a monthly Sabbath day where it's just me. Those kind of things, uh, I, I'm, I'm actually getting back into that. Hmm. So the, And Brock was one of the reasons he inspired me. So I hope he inspired uh, you listening to do something similar that, you know what, I'm going to do one step to make sure I'm taking hmm. a big step in, in that direction. Uh, if you have questions, comments, concerns, uh, please contact us. We'd love to hear from you. We also would love for you to review this podcast on iTunes, and we would absolutely love for you to share yeah. this with people that are in youth ministry uh, or that just might enjoy it. Uh, but until next time, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and anyone else listening that doesn't fit into any of those categories. I'm John Chafee. I'm Johnny Radcliffe. And I'm Jonathan Hobbs. Thanks for listening.